Second Samuel chapter six this evening. And uh, amen, that's a great song. I got to learn the words, but it's a great song. Hallelujah. Blessing is defined in the dictionary as a special favor, mercy, or benefit, such as the blessing of liberty or the favor bestowed by God. Therefore, it brings happiness, invoking God's favor upon a person. The son was denied his father's blessing, or literally praise. It also has to do with that thought. It also has to do with the thought of devotion, of saying a blessing before the meal. I want to minister on the blessing of God this evening and recognizing the blessing of God. And in this text we're going to read, David, the ark of the Lord has been gone for a long time. It's been, uh, it's been lost if you go all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 6. Uh, Eli and his sons had a great idea, let's bring the ark of the Lord out. God never said to do this, but they bring the ark of the Lord out to the uh, battlefield and it gets taken up by the Philistines. They send it back, they put it on a cart, send it back, but it never ends up back in Shiloh where it should have been in the tabernacle. The entire reign of Saul, he doesn't really do much about it. He leaves it. David becomes king and he wants to bring it back. Chapter 6, uh, there's a fiasco in the beginning. We'll, we'll get to that at the end. And out of that fiasco, he, the ark ends up at Obed-Edom's house. And the Bible says in verse 12 that then King David was told... The Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's house and everything he has because of the ark of God. And this is not Noah's ark. This is the ark of the covenant. Um, Many people know this better through the movies of like Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever. But this is actually the Holy of Holies. This is where the Ten Commandments were kept. The pot of manna, Aaron's rod were all in this ark. It was gold with the, uh, it was a box that they overlaid with gold. The top was solid gold with the, uh, and it had the mercy seat on it. That's what we're talking about here. The ark of God. So David brought, went there and brought back the ark of God from Obed-Edom's to the city of David with a great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of God had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment, and David And all the people of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blowing of ram's horns. But the ark of the Lord, uh, but as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. And when she saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. So I want to talk to you firstly about there's realities of blessing and really of cursing. David sees the blessing of God. We're not exactly told what the blessing was on Obed-Edom's house. But there's a report that, hey, you know what? 
This guy is blessed. God is doing something unique. There is tradition because of he had 64 uh, descendants that God had blessed him in multiples of eight. Now, I don't know that to be true. It's a Jewish tradition. Uh, Pastor Mitchell used to say it all the time. I've looked it up. I found it. It's there. But there's no real evidence of it. But what was obvious is that there was a blessing of God upon Obed-Edom. That there was something tangible that was there. This is linked to the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Lord. This has to do, and we're going to talk about this later, the symbolicness of the presence of God being with you. David sees the blessing of God on someone else's life. And he says, I want that. Now, this is not jealousy or covetousness in the sense that I'm going to take the blessing of God from your life so I can have it in my life. That's not what he's saying. That's not his motive here. This is not what David is trying to do is say that you, I, you know, this is the uh, mentality of the pie is only so big in the earth that God, you know, if you have, it's because I don't. This was the communist mentality. Communism was full. If you, uh, if someone had something, uh, they had it because you did not have it. And so it became a very undermining society of, uh, of, of people scamming and, and, and doing all sorts of things to get because uh, if I turn you in as a trader, maybe I can get your apartment, which is a little bit bigger than mine. That's the mentality. That's not David's mentality. He recognizes the blessing of God is on Obed-Edom's house in verse 11. It says the Lord had blessed Obed-Edom because of the ark that was there. And this lasted for three months. And there was something tangible there. And God will bless people. And there's blessing upon people that's tangible. That you see this and you go, man, there, this is not just luck or fate or the dealing of uh, uh, the deck. It is something that is tangible that you know comes from God. It is obvious that two things were involved here. One is whatever was happening at Obed-Edom's house was not happening before the ark was there. That the blessing of God had come. This wasn't just business as usual. Oh, isn't this good? God bless you. Uh, God helped you. But this is something tangible that they could see. And something they could also link to a time and an event. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. Abraham was now very old. Uh, Genesis 24.1 says, And the Lord had blessed him in every way. That uh, this is saying that, you know what, that blessing, some people think of it simply as financial, simply as a big bank account, simply as something material, but it can be far, far more than that. Augustine, one of the church uh, fathers way back uh, in the first century or uh, second century, something like that, uh, he said, God is more anxious to bestow his blessing upon us than we are to receive them. God is a blesser. This is his nature. Genesis chapter 1, when he's in creation, the Bible says uh, that every time he created, he said, God blessed them. God blessed that day. 
If that's true, there's also a reality of curses. And I'm touching on this because there is a reality of the spiritual life that you and I don't always see into. This is why people write it off as luck or fate. Malachi 3, 8 and 9. Should a people cheat God? Yes, you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? Where did we ever cheat you? He says, you've cheated me in your tithes and your offerings. Do me. You are under a curse. Your whole nation has been cheating me. So there's a curse. I've seen this. Amazing. There was a young girl in a church that I pastored. She's actually saved today and back in this church. So I won't tell you who it is. But as I was, when I was there, she decided uh, that she had, she was going to backslide and she ended up backsliding and it was ironic. Uh, she was living with her, uh, some girls uh, from the church. She said, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I, I do this. Literally within weeks, she lost her job. She, her car, which was held together by bubble gum and duct tape, broke down. I mean, as long as she was serving God, paying her tithe, blessing fell upon her. As soon as she stopped, it all fell apart. These are real spiritual issues. There is disobedience. The Bible tells us that for everyone who steals, there's a curse that's gone out in the earth. For everyone who lies, there's a curse who's gone out over the earth. Cain killed his brother. Abel and was cursed in Genesis 4.11. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground which has swallowed your brother's blood. Actions can either cause us to be blessed or cursed. And how we treat that. Because even if you eliminate this, the blessing goes far beyond just left to our own limitations. We can get a few things done. God did give us a brain. God did give us abilities, talents. But there's people who live their lives based on just their own abilities and limitations. And as a result of that, they only go so far. John 15, 5. Jesus said, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them. They will produce much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. This is speaking into the spiritual. That in your life, you cannot, you cannot produce the blessing of God. This is something God does. This is something that you can't manipulate this. You can't just fix this on your own. The blessing of God is tangible they saw it on Obed-Edom's house. Something was happening. David sees it, and he wants it. It's in our text, it says that uh, then King David was told that the Lord had blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything because he had the ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark of God from Obed-Edom's house to the city of David with great celebration. First, you have to recognize... What is the blessing of God? What is it that you lack that someone else has that you say, man, I want that? Pastor Mitchell used to make the statement, you can do what I do and you can have what I have if you'll be what I am. 
There were people who would recognize that and they would, they didn't want to be what he was. They didn't want to make uh, those kind of sacrifices and those kind of commitments to the Lord. They just said, no, you know what? I'll settle for a lesser blessing. I don't, and he said, you can have it. It's, he's not, what he was saying is he's not special. The blessing of God comes upon people's lives and it's tangible. Genesis 24, 34 and 35, I, Abraham's servant, I am Abraham's servant, he explained. And the Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become wealthy. And the Lord has given him flocks and flocks of sheep and goats and herds of camel and fortunes in silver and gold and many male and female servants and camels and donkeys. Here's Abraham's servant and he says, I recognize God's blessing upon my, my, my master Abraham. I recognize this. It's there. It's tangible. God has blessed him. There's some people who are blessed. And it's not because God plays favorites. I like you, but I don't like you. I like you, but I don't like you. He doesn't do that. It's not just the roll of the dice. Well, hey. Some people are just lucky all the time. It's just fate. It's just human Ability That dismisses God. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord was there. Not just, man, he did well on the stock market last week. There was something tangible there. And David says, I want it. I want that. I want what God has done there in my life. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice, for they will be satisfied. Do you hunger and thirst for what God wants? You know, your marriage can be blessed. If you'll put in the principles of wanting God to move in your marriage. Your finances can be blessed. If you'll do what God wants you to do. In your finances. David says, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get me that blessing. I'm going to get me what God is doing at Obed-Edom's house in my life. I want that and I'm going to have it. There's an interesting mark in our scripture here though. That I want to touch on just before I go on to the... Things that we need for the blessing. It's, it mentions at the end of this Michel. Michel or Michael is some, but there's no E. As the ark entered the city, uh, ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, this is the daughter of Saul. She's not actually titled here the wife of David. She's da- titled here the daughter of Saul. She's David's wife. It's been kind of a rocky, up and down, crazy relationship. But it says, when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. You mark it down, bitterness will keep you from the the blessing of God. It's, It's marked out in the scripture. Hebrews 12, 16, and 17, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright 
of the firstborn for a single meal. For afterwards, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged bitter, with bitter tears. Esau became a very bitter man. And he lost out on the blessing of God when God wanted to help him. You have to realize that blessing first comes from God and God checks the heart. God checks the heart. David is joyed. He's leaping. Here's me. Oh, isn't the king? You know, she mocks him when he comes in the house. Oh, isn't the king wonderful today? You exposed your chonies to the girls of Israel. Oh, isn't that wonderful? He says, I'll be more vile than your father ever was, honey. You better just... And she had no children after that. The blessing of God departed from her. God looks at our heart. You're going to trade the blessing for a moment? That's what Esau did. Genesis 25, 24, then Jacob... Gave Esau some bread and lentil stool, and Esau ate the meal, got up and left, and he showed contempt for the rights of the firstborn. He showed contempt towards the blessing and the position and the favor of God. What God wanted to do in his life. Let's talk about the blessing that we need, because there's some understandings here in our text that we can Lean out of it. Our text says again that, that David was told of the blessing of, of uh, the Lord had blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything in it because of the ark. And David went and brought the ark of God to Obed-Edom's, uh, from Obed-Edom's house to the city of David with a great celebration. And after the men carrying the ark had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing priestly garments. And David and all the people of Israel brought the ark up with shouts of joy, blowing the ram's horn. But the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, and Michal, the daughter, looked down from the window and saw the Dave, uh, King David leaping and dancing before the Lord and was filled with contempt for him. He understood a couple of things about the blessing of God. Firstly, it was the presence of God. This is what the ark of God represented in Scripture, was the very presence of God. This would be placed in what was part of the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies. There were three areas to the tabernacle. There was the outer court, there was the holy room, and there was the Holy of Holies. The outer court is where people would come with their sacrifices to confess their sins, uh, to bring in thanksgiving offerings or such as that that would be offered up outside. The holy place, this is where uh, the candlesticks were, the holy bread was, the table, the showbread. These things were there. That's where priests could enter in. But the Holy of Holies is where the presence of God was. Once a year, the high priest would go in there and they would actually have to tie a rope to his 
uh, to his feet that in case uh, there was sin in his life or he was displeasing God and God killed him, they couldn't just go in and get the body. They'd have to drag him out. God's presence dwelt with the Ark of the Covenant. In uh, Exodus, when they would... uh, were traveling through uh, the uh, 40 years in the wilderness uh, God would put the cloud uh, over the over the tabernacle or the pillar of fire and when it went up and began to move God's presence was moving they would have to move break down the camp uh, and go on and God would move with them it's where God wanted them to be it was considered to be a symbol of the presence of God David takes this ark and he wants to bring it to Jerusalem. He wants to bring it in. You've got to want the presence of God in your life. You've got to want God to be in your life. Mentioned this morning when I preached on Zacchaeus there, that when he, Jesus came, he said, I want to come to your house. God wants you to let him in. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, do not be drunk with wine, for that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making melody to the Lord in your hearts. We could ask, what are you filled with? Are you determined to have a relationship with God? Is that what fills your heart? David, it's noted here, they they took six steps and he would make a sacrifice. Six steps. And we don't know exactly how far Obed-Edom's house was and from, from Jerusalem. It's not totally clear. But six steps, this is going to take a while. They'd just walk six steps and then they'd have to wait. And then they'd make a sacrifice and walk six more steps. Because David says, I want, and you could see the joy in him. The second thing is we have to understand the holy. In the beginning of this chapter, David had made the decision to bring the ark of God back to Jerusalem. But he didn't do it quite right. Now when Samuel, when when Eli and, and Hophnius and Phinehas had taken the ark out to battle, and the Philistines had defeated them in battle and took the ark of God. There's great stories there you read. They put the ark of God in their uh, God's temple of, uh, and the, the statue was knocked down and they said, oh, I, we wonder how that happened. They put him back up. The next day they come in, his head, his hands, and his feet are all broken off and he's laying on the ground. They're going, mm, there must have been some kind of spiritual fight going on in here. And he, they lost. So they went, okay, we've got to get rid of this ark. Every city they sent it to, they, they say there was a plague in that city of rats and hemorrhoids. It's what, it's what they did. So they made some golden rats and some golden hemorrhoids and put them on the ark and, the, and sent it away. Can't make this stuff up. 
They put it on a cart with two oxen that had never been yoked together. And they said, if it goes towards Jerusalem, this was a work of God. If it goes anywhere else, uh, if it goes towards Israel, it was a work of God. If it goes anywhere else, it, it must have been just coincidence. And the thing headed straight for, Jer- for Israel. Where it stopped, we don't know. Time goes on. But David says, I want to get it. And he builds an ark. Builds a new cart, rather, to put the ark on. And he puts the ark on that cart. And they're singing and David's dancing and he's playing music. And, you know, he's being, uh, he's praising God and such. But in the time of this, the ark, the, one of the oxen stumbles. And a man named Uzziah reaches out to steady the ark. And God kills him. And that's when they parked it at Obed-Edom's house and David was mad. The lesson there, though, is the two dangers. One is we don't want to do it God's way. We, don't, we want the blessing, but we want to make it easy. Let's, let's do it an easy way. Numbers chapter 7 Verses 7 through 9. He gave two wagons and four oxen to the Geshemites. The division for their work. And he gave four wagons and eight oxen to the Midianites for the division of their work. And all uh, had been done under the leadership of Isthia, the son of Aaron, the priest. But he gave none of the wagons to the the Koharites. Division, since they were required to carry the sacred objects of the tabernacle on their shoulders. This was not something that you just put on a cart and went, hey, this is great. This was actually to be carried on the shoulders. They had two poles. They, they made in the ark, it had four rings on it. And they would slide the poles through when they were going to carry it. This is, they carried it. These were the first ones to go into the Jordan River when Joshua crosses with the ark on their shoulders. The first mistake we make for the blessing of God is what David did. We want an easier way. Don't put it on my shoulders, Lord. Don't put it, make me responsible. Let's do it an easier way. Let's get a new cart. We'll get some new oxen. We'll make this as special as can be. And God said, I'm not into it. The second thing we see is don't touch the holy things. You want the blessing of God? Don't touch the holy things. Just from the book of Leviticus, did a little search. There are holy days, holy people. The holy tithe, holy places, and the holy assembly. You don't touch them. They're not yours to touch. You touch them, you lose the blessing of God. God says, you don't mess with these. These are mine. Holy, set apart, sanctified. You will lose the blessing of God if you don't treat the holy, holy. Hebrews 12, 14. Work at living with peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see God. 
You can't be disregarding the holy and have the blessing of God on your life. And this is exactly what David learned in this place. He then realized, nope, I'm going to have to put it on my shoulders. I'm going to have to make sure it takes it. We're going to do this six steps at a time. We're going to make sure that we do this right so that the blessing of God will come. When he does that, it's very interesting. This is marked with thanksgiving and joy. Verses 14 and 15 of our text, David danced before the Lord. I'm not going to dance for you. I'm a white guy. I can't dance. He danced with all his might, wearing priestly garments. David and all the people brought the uh, brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. There's something about, too, having the joy of God doing something that is linked to the blessing. Ezra goes back to Jerusalem. This is after the years of being in captivity in Babylon. And he wants to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And he lays the foundation. And the Bible says that they, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. And then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because of the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and other teachers who had been there to see the first temple wept out loud when they saw the new temple's foundation. Others, having, uh, others, however, shouting for joy. And the joy of shouting and the weeping mingled together with loud noise that it could be heard in a far distance. They were excited. Some were sad. Some may have been crying for joy. I don't know. I, you know, last time I went to see my grandkids, uh, my middle granddaughter, she, we, we surprised them some, and we were able to surprise them that time. And so she starts crying and she's, I don't know why I'm crying. I'm so happy. I just don't know why I'm crying. And it was so precious. People do cry for joy. Some might have been remembering what they've lost. But nevertheless, the shouts go up. It could be heard. It's in Nehemiah, the same thing when he finishes the walls. Uh, he and Ezra actually lead uh, 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 groups uh, and go up the stairs and go around the walls and meet together. And everybody's on top of the wall and they're shouting. Uh, and the Bible says it can be heard from afar off. When the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea and God drowned the Egyptians, there was the song of praise, they lifted their voices and blessed and worshiped God. There's something about giving God praise that enters us into the blessing as well. When we want the presence of God, we will give Him praise. We treat the holy, holy. God will bless us. He'll take care of us. Ephesians 1, verse 3, all Praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heaven, heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. All spiritual blessing. Blessings that go beyond what you and I can imagine. You can, your, your marriage can be blessed. 
your life can be blessed. Henry Beecher Ward, Henry Ward Beecher rather, I'm sorry. He wrote these words, he says, If anyone should give me a dish of sand and tell me that there were particles of iron in it, I might look at it with my eye for a while and search for them with my clumsy fingers and be unable to detect them. But let me take a magnet and sweep it through, and now I would draw it to myself, the most invisible particles, by the mere power of attraction. An unthankful heart may be like my fingers in the sand, it discovers no mercies. But let a thankful heart sweep through the day, and it's a mag- it, uh, as a magnet finds the iron, so it will find every hour some heavenly blessing. Not only the iron in God's sand, but the gold. God wants to bless our lives. He wants to help us in mighty ways. I believe God wants to increase what he's doing in your marriage, in your finances, in your life. God's hand can be upon there. But if you desire, if you'll recognize, hey, you know what? I want that. I want the blessing. I want God to move like that. I want God to help me like that. God will do it. If we'll put those things, David brings it in, he gets the blessing of God. You and I can have that this evening. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here first and foremost this evening. You're not right with God. You're not born again, not saved. God wants to help you, wants to touch your life. And if that's you tonight, I wonder if you'd very quickly slip up your hand. Say, you know what, that's me. I'm not right with God. I'm not saved. I'm not born again. I'm backslidden. I'm away from God. But I want Jesus Christ to come into my heart and into my life. Anyone, very quickly. Then I want to change the call to Christians for just a moment. Do you want the blessing of God? God wants to bless you. He wants to help you. The, his, his, as Augustine said... He wants, he, he wants to bless you more than you want to receive it. That's the nature of our God. And He wants to help us in every way that we can have. And so if you'll understand the principles here, treating the presence of God as something of value, the holiness of God as something you take care of, and then finally, the worship of God, the giving of thanks, And God will multiply blessings in your life. Let's all stand. These altars are open. We're going to sing a song. Worship Him. Lord, I come.
and glorified. Let the earth tremble at your name. Let your name be lifted up. Glorified. Glorified.